Good evening and welcome all that matters listeners. Thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to connect with me today here on All That Matters Talk Show. Our IGMA Inc. brand concept for each broadcast is to interview and discuss All That Matters topics with our special guests who are committed to sharing great insight, resources, tips, and strategies to help empower individuals and organizations seeking to cope or sustain ourselves, especially during times of uncertainty namely because we maintain here at IGMA, the topics discussed on our talk show really do matter to our listeners. So today I am so fortunate to have my very special guest, none other than Dr. Deborah Branham. Dr. Deborah, how are you? Thank you so much, Dr. Griffin, for having me today. I'm doing well. Thank you. Well, I am so glad. I know in our busy days, sometimes it's so difficult to sit down and just talk about what we do. We do it, but we don't always take the time to talk about it. So on that note, I'd just like for you to at least share with our guests who are in our audience today, a little bit about your background. You can go back as far as when we were little girls or you can just bring it up to where you are today, but the, the mic is yours. Yes, so I definitely won't go that far back, but I am, um, as you alluded to, I am Dr. Deborah Grabham. I am a uh, registered nurse, so I received my PhD in nursing education in 2018. I've been in practice for about 42 years, so I actually graduated from my first nursing program in 1979. So I work here in um, Duval County in Jacksonville, Florida in various roles. Currently, I teach in our RN to BSN nursing program. And I also work probably about one weekend a month. I moonlight at UF Health Jacksonville, which has been a long partnership that I've had with them since my first um, encounter in nursing back in 1978. So I try to keep that, that relationship active so that I can stay um, sharp on what's going on in healthcare and definitely on the new tools that's out there so that I can educate our next generation of nurses. You know, I'm glad you're talking about what you do, but I've always been curious. We've known each other for a number of years, y'all, just so you know, you know how transparent I can be. We go back, back as far as playing on the sidewalk, hopscotch, as they say. <laughs> so I am always honored when I can bring someone that has come up through the rank. When did you know that you wanted to be a nurse? I've always wanted to ask you that. Well, you know, um, I think my mother reminded me that I wanted to be a nurse. I probably said it as a child. And then when I was getting closer to graduate from high school, she reminded me that that's what I wanted to do. And so I had an aunt um, that I was really close to, my Aunt Thelma. She was a um, CNA, a certified nursing assistant. She became a nursing assistant. And that inspired me even the more because she was at the top of her class. And my, and my Aunt Thelma she was so excited to go to, um, to school to become a nursing assistant. And she continued to sow that seed in my life in nursing. So she, uh, you know, my mother probably planted the seed. My aunt watered the seed. And, you know, at the end of the day, only one person can give the increase. And that was God Almighty. And then the other thing that happened, Angela, and you, I didn't think about this, was when we were at Rebal Junior High School, out of all my courses, I excelled in biology. So biology excited 
me. So my two, my when the A's on my report card was in biology and in band. And so all the other grades were probably B's and C's, but biology inspired me. And so I think because of my natural instinct with biology, I love facts. And with biology, uh, things don't change. They have a normal, uh, they, they follow a normal course of a uh, pattern. And so that works for me. It's consistent, it's reliable. And so when I went on to, um, to, to college, that was my goal was to become a nurse, come to find out that you needed all these biology, microbiology, you needed anatomy and physiology. And those particular science courses actually got my attention more so than any other um, geolo uh, geology or, or, or anything, um, anything else. I, it just couldn't hold my attention, but biology, microbiology, anatomy and physiology, that got my attention. And so that mixed with the warding of the seed, it was, you know, it was inevitable that that would probably be my, my, my path because I was strong in those subjects. And in those particular subjects, you do need to have strength there in order to be in the nursing profession, I would say. You know, being in the nursing profession, it's one thing to be a nurse, but now that you have, you're an RN and you've gotten your PhD, and you're able to teach. Do you enjoy teaching students about nursing or is that just the normal progression? Well, I was teaching nursing when I had a two-year degree in nursing. So one of my nursing instructors uh, recruited me into nursing education. So she brought students on my unit. And of course, um, I was the charge nurse. And I guess she saw how I handled my leadership abilities how I was able to collaborate with uh, staff nurses. So one of my nursing instructors recruited me off the unit at UF Health to come to FSCJ, um, Florida State College at Jacksonville. During that time, it was called Florida Junior College. She recruited me to start teaching um, non-college credit nursing courses. So I was able to, so I've been teaching now for over 25 years. I've been a nurse for 42 years. And I've been teaching for 25. So my journey started with teaching that CNA who my Aunt Thelma um, had become. She was so proud of herself getting those A's in that course. And I think my Aunt Thelma was really proud because she did not have a high school education. And so when she went to school to become a CNA and got those great grades, I think that really encouraged her um, and it motivated her. And she was such a great uh, CNA that St. Vincent's to this day still hold or honor my Aunt Thelma for her contributions that she made at St. Vincent's. So um, going back to what you're saying is, you know, there's some literature out there that talks about, um, can you teach leadership? Can you teach leadership or is it inherited or um, is it a natural? So I think for me, it was both. So I learned along the way, um, you know, uh, how to teach, how to educate. Working at UF Health Jacksonville, used to be University Hospital. That's a teaching hospital. So we learn to articulate and participate and facilitate learning, not only for other nurses, but for doctors and also for patients. And so that's part of our mode of operation at a major teaching hospital. So you develop that skill. And once you develop it, you just, you, you let loose and you give it. So my PhD, what it did was it allowed me to teach nursing at a higher level. 
So now I can teach in a bachelor's degree, nursing program, master's degree. And at some point um, when I retire, I will probably do a little bit of teaching or coaching in a PhD uh, pro program. Awesome, awesome. Just before we get ready to take our first break, do you ever mentor? If so, we'll come back and elaborate on it. But my question is, can a person that's listening that may wanna come become a nurse, maybe reach out to you for some insight? If so, can you share some contact information? Absolutely. They can reach me at Brabham16, that's B as in boy, R-A-B as in ball, H-A-M, the number 16 at gmail.com. I can also be reached on my mobile, mobile device that is 904-891-8706. I'm always excited about mentoring the next generation of nurses. I am so thankful because when we come back, we've got to talk about perhaps where the nursing field is going. Maybe somebody wants to partake or is in it and, and not sure where to go from here. So if you don't mind, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna take a quick break and we will be right back to pick up right from this rich conversation of the nursing field. So if you will, come right back. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for taking that quick break with us. Now that we're back, Dr. Brabham, I, like you, follow the news. I don't know if you saw a recent article talking about the trend of healthcare workers and nurses mm -hmm. coming and going. How, what are your thoughts as far as what's happening with regards to nurses in the healthcare field today? Well, that's a big topic, uh, Dr. Griffin. And let me just start out by saying that we all know that the pandemic, um, it definitely took a a huge toll on the healthcare profession overall. Nurses have been quitting because they are complaining of being overworked and underpaid. And so they are also quitting because um, many of them may be even afraid of, of contracting the disease and also bringing it home to their loved ones. That's what, that was the theory early, the early months of COVID. Now we have healthcare institutions that are paying nurses $10,000 a week in Texas, in California. And so nurses, our local nurses are leaving their local communities all over the nation in order to go and um, to go to make the extra money that's, that's being offered during COVID. Now, I didn't believe that they were paying nurses $10,000 a week until one of my nursing students actually sent me her stub so I didn't believe it. So I asked her, I said, well, if it's true, then send me a copy of your pay stub. And she sent me a copy of her pay stub. She's been working now as a traveling nurse for probably a year. And so, but they're making $10,000 a week. They're making a lot of money for those that's leaving their local institutions. Now, some are leaving completely, leaving the profession completely because they feel that they didn't sign up for a pandemic. But then some are leaving because their grass is green on the other side. There's an opportunity to make more money. And so there's different categories of, of nurses that's leaving based on why they're leaving. Number one, some are afraid of the pandemic or the virus. Number two, some feel that they're overworked. And number three, some are leaving because they are getting more pay. Wow, that getting more pay. Do you think society will be able to keep up to afford 
these large increments of pay increases or what? I'm, yep, I'm glad you said that. The healthcare system, I was in a meeting um, about a week or two ago and with some major uh, healthcare leaders on the call. And one of the things that they said was that the healthcare system, the healthcare delivery system overall was, was not created to be sustained with those type of payments. And so I don't know where the institutions are getting the money to pay, but at the end of the day, if you don't have nurses in place, patient care cannot take place. And so you have to have nurses. And then things are so, so dire that the healthcare institutions that they're leaving are willing to take them back at the, in the event that the pandemic resolve itself. And then you're out there, you're looking for a job. What the local healthcare facilities, what I'm hearing is that they are willing to take their nurses back. They, they starting to understand it's difficult for a nurse to work at an institution um, for 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, then all of a sudden the hospital bring a nurse in to do their same job and they're making $10,000 a week and you're making your same pay. So that has created a conflict of interest as well. So there's so many pockets of issues, Dr. Griffin, that's going on. And I'm sure that we have nursing scholars, including myself, we are starting to collect data about this pandemic our lived experiences, and not just that, but some quantitative data as well, just to look at the, the, the recruitment and the retention. So retention, retaining nurses, recruiting nurses, that's been a big snafu. Um, and so when you talk about what, one of the things that you asked me before we departed for the break, you alluded to um, people that was gonna be listening to this show, how would they go about going to nursing school, would they contact me? Um, enrollment in nursing school is up. Um, so it's at an all-time high now. So for those that are interested in going to nursing school, we need you. But we also need um, people to come to nursing school uh, with a realization that the pandemic is real. Not only is it real, but I think for the first time, nurses almost are like advocates. Finally, you know, it's you can drive change as a nurse. That's no longer true. can people just pay you barely enough That's true. because of what you bring to the table. And I applaud all nurses and you know, yeah. I'm a fan of yours, but yeah. what I would like for you to share with some people, just because you are a nurse, I think there are some characteristics of a good nurse that they need to uphold. Don't, I know the pandemic is real, but That's good. the times I've gone in the hospital, I'll just say, I have appreciated let me just say what I like about you. From the time I knew you were in nursing, I have watched you from afar. I feel like you're organized. You have a level of compassion. You practice safety from the time when we've had events and you brought the mobile blood bank out. Uh, you're very assertive. You've got a positive attitude. But more than anything, I applaud you for being a lifelong learner. Would you say that those are a couple of good characteristics that real true nurses need to have or are of they course absolutely you hit it um you hit all the key um attributes that we need to consider and we need to bring to the table and and one of the things dr griffin is that you you must have integrity um integrity doing the right thing when nobody's watching 
um, because you have people lives. And so I often tell my nursing student, how would you want your mom to be treated? Or how would you want your dad to be treated or your granddad? And when you start looking at your clients, also known as your patients in that light, I think that would be the guiding light is that you treat people the way you want to be treated, how you want your loved ones to be treated. That's key. And having um, a nursing, nursing has been nominated as one of the most trusted professions for over the past 20 years in a Gallup poll because we are advocates um, and we do have to build trust uh, between ourselves and our clients. It's important to have those characteristics. You got to be reliable. Um, you must be trustworthy. And you got to tell the truth. If you make a mistake, you got to be the first one to come to the table and say, look, I did this wrong. And because you have people's lives in your hands, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so it doesn't stop. But it is a skill that can be learned. And not only that, but it is a skill that can be mastered. And, and you talk about patient safety, and that is a big issue now. So when you talk about nurses not being present and nurses not leaving, that gives you a shortfall. So if you don't have enough nurses and patients that are hospitalized tonight, today, tomorrow, they are compromised. So patients care are compromised when you don't have enough help to meet the needs. So when we talk about recruitment and retention, not only we can recruit a boat load of nurses, but can we retain them? Got you, got you. Oh my goodness, I'm getting caught up. I'm just thinking about all the, the amazing men and women that are caretakers, providers, givers, you can mm -hmm. call them who mm -hmm. you want. Yes. But we've got to take a quick break just because I know this conversation is so rich. And ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're taking something from what Dr. Brabham is saying, because this is a profession that we need more people who have the characteristics, attributes, the qualities that were just mentioned. So we're going to take a quick break, but what I'm curious about, when we come back, I'd like to know what keeps you up at night about your profession. So ladies and gentlemen, we will be right back. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for taking that quick break. In the meantime, I want to pick back up and try and put some additional nuggets into this conversation, Dr. Branham. I know you having been in the profession for quite some time. Surely in this field of education, nursing, what are the top maybe three challenges that you face that you feel you need to convey to our audience? Well, you know, right now, um, Dr. Griffin, now that I'm working in academe, um, my challenges are different than when I was working at the bedside. So now the challenge is we want to make sure that our students uh, are able to um, assimilate the knowledge. Um, they need to be able to pass their NCLEX exams, um, making sure that they understand the basic nursing concepts. Um, those things are important to me, nursing student or nursing education, making sure that we educate nurses from the practical nurse all the way up to the PhD. We educate them, we empower them um, to understand their role and responsibilities. Um, and then the elderly, our senior citizens who are coming into the hospital for care, they go into their primary care doctor's offices, um, wherever they're seen in the healthcare, um, in the healthcare industry, 
my heart's desire is that they would get the care that they need and or have somebody there to advocate for them. A lot of times our seniors don't understand the system. They don't understand their Medicare. They don't understand their Medicaid. And that is a, a really clincher for me. Uh, now that's something that's dear to my heart is when there's a senior citizen who don't have anybody, no caregivers or no family members to support them. So that one, taking care of our seniors, taking care of nursing, nursing education across the board, taking care of our seniors. And then last but not least, um, doing whatever I can, do my, do my small part, whatever that part may be. Um, and it may be, it may be nursing. It may be something totally different. It may be pulling the trash out of a, a room um, where a patient reside because the nurses are so busy. So now with this big shortage of nurses, now you have an increased risk of patient safety issues, patients not getting the care that they deserve. We're getting a lot of patients who may be angry because they feel that I deserve better care and they are correct. They do deserve better care. We just don't have the nurses. We don't have the um, capability if we have a shortfall. So those are the things that I think uh, would, I love the phrase, not necessarily, but those are the things that are close to my heart or dear to my heart. And I appreciate you for sharing your heart. I think in the day-to-day -day run of your responsibilities, either academia or when you're at the hospital or caregiving, if you will, mm -hmm. the whole role of you being a caregiver, it doesn't, what I hear from you is that it doesn't stop just because the day ends. It's like you pick it up and you keep going because that's who you are. Yes. And so, and I tell nurse educators that I train, um, if we can remember to treat our, our students the way we treat our patients with that same level of care, that same level of commitment, that same level of responsibility, that's a good way for a, a new nurse educator to start out because a lot of time nurse educators feel, well, they, nobody gave it to me. I'm not going to give it to you. Or we have these philosophies that we develop over the years about who we are or who we think we are. Um, but even nursing students need to be nurtured. So they're coming in. Some have children. Some have childcare issues. Some have marital issues. You, we usually get adult learners. And so when you're dealing with adult learners, that's a whole different ball game. Um, so we're not just dealing in the nursing students that I teach. We're not dealing with nursing students who are leaving high school mostly. Going So I teach in a, an environment where most of the nursing students that I receive, they are already adults. They already have a life. Some are changing professions. So nursing may be their second or third career. And so, but the thing is that it's my responsibility, it's my colleagues responsibility to get them acclimated to those attributes of caring, the attributes of compassion, the attributes of integrity and all those things that go in that basket that make you a great nurse. Um, I don't believe that I've arrived, but I believe that 42 years of practice have given me some sound wisdom and some sound judgment. So having that, uh, that, that expertise, clinical expertise, expertise on how to deal with people, how to help people, how to support people. And so that you're right, that never goes away. One of the ladies that work in the cafeteria at UF Health have a husband who's uh, disabled. 
And so one night she was having some difficulty and I gave her my phone number. And just so happened, I got a text message from her um, this afternoon. And so instead of texting her back, I immediately called her. So my role as a nurse never ceased. Um, I am a nurse all the time. So it's not like, um, even if I go on vacation, if I go on a cruise and there's somebody there that's struggling with a walker or having difficulty, okay, you know, I'm going to kick in. I'm going to do whatever I can do. And so I think that's what we do. And you're right, nursing is a calling um, because not everybody have the ability to be that person that an, an individual that's in a vulnerable state may need you to be. And so we have to be who we, whoever we can be at that time based on what that individual needs. So that could be pulling the trash or providing a high level skill care. So, and that's what I try to teach my students is that yes, you are becoming a profession, but we can't be so high as nurses that we can't pull the trash. We can't take someone to the bathroom or give someone a drink of water. Yeah, so, so that's important. And so keeping those basic skills and, and staying in that lower seat, I think would help you to help in any individual in healthcare to excel to a higher level. Um, being able to take that low seat, being able to take that low, that, that job where you're not gonna, where the spotlight is not shining, um, but being all you can be to mankind overall. And I simply, if I haven't said it already, thank you. I hear your heart this evening. Your heart is just on behalf of all nurses, all healthcare professionals. I just can't say thank you enough because from outside looking in, your roles have expanded. Yes, yes. Just being what the outside person knows as a nurse. There are mm -hmm. different levels and types of nursing and not to mention there's so much research. Oh my mm -hmm. goodness, I could just, being that we're both in academia and lifelong learners and practitioners of what we do, yeah. I, I know we've got to try and take our last break here and we are going to, but if when we come back for that person that's listening that may really want to engage in this arena, I'd love for you to maybe share the different levels of nursing degrees and some credentials. Okay that we can at least give them so that they have, they go into this arena with their eyes open. So ladies and gentlemen, we're going to try and take our last break here and we're going to come right back. So at the top of the hour, when we come back, be sure to have a pen because I'll get Dr. Branham to please share her contact information when we come back. In addition to, we'll maybe talk about some of those main levels of nursing degrees or credentials that you might need if you desire to break into the industry. Is that okay with you, Dr. Branham? Yes. Thank you so much, Dr. Griffin. I look forward to it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will be right back. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you're like me, you're feeling empowered, inspired, encouraged. We can keep going. But at the end of the day, we've got to try and start wrapping up this rich conversation here with Dr. Brabham. And so before we even get started, somebody may have just chimed in. Dr. Brabham, if you would be so kind to share your contact information, just in case somebody wants to keep this conversation going after this show airs. So please share with us your contact information. Yes, I can be reached at 904-891-8706. Or you can send me an email to brabham16 at gmail.com. That's B as in boy. R's and rabbit, 
A is in apple, B is in ball, H is in house, A is in Amy, and M is in Mary, the number 16 at gmail.com. Cool beans. So ladies and gentlemen, you can't say I didn't put it out there. You're listening now, but if you didn't get it, trust and believe you'll be able to pick up this podcast on our website when it's all done. But before we turn off the lights, I would be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity, Dr. Brabham, to please share ways or levels of nursing that a person might feel like, you know what, I've been taking care of someone throughout the pandemic. They may be gone. I'm saddened if that's your situation, but maybe you learn something about yourself and you say, you know what? I like being a caregiver. I like providing for others. So why don't you share with us some ways that we can onboard if we're interested in becoming a healthcare professional such as nursing? Yes, and, and that's interesting that you would say that because I remember when I was doing my research, we had to talk in, in some of my papers I had to write about the different ways that an individual can enter nursing. And so there are so many ways to become a nurse. So let me just see if I can do that real quickly for you. Um, so for those of us who are novice, who have never been in healthcare before, we could actually come in as a certified nursing assistant. Um, some of the hospitals provide training for that or a local community college. It takes about four to six weeks to become a nursing assistant. The next level would be practical nursing, also known as LPN, licensed practical nurse. But we call it practical nursing school. So no matter where you are in the United States of America, it's either practical nursing school or vocational nursing. In Texas, California, Texas, California, and New York, they call LPNs VPN, vocational practical nurses. But in the all the other states, it's licensed practical nurse but you don't use that title until after you complete a vocational nursing program, also known as a practical nursing program. That particular program only takes about one year. So 12 months, an individual, um, there's no prerequisites except a high school uh, diploma or equivalency, and then they take an entry uh, exam, and then they have to meet all the other criteria for as demographical, you know, being a part of the uh, United States or even have or having a visa to be in the United States. So it's very basic, very easy to get into. And just as I was telling you, Dr. Griffin, on the break, um, right out of high school, um, I actually wanted to become a registered nurse. And but after spending about a year working on my prerequisites, myself and my counselors they decided, well, why don't you do this one-year program? Because the level of anatomy and physiology, the level of microbiology, it was different from, from high school and chemistry. It was going to take me a little bit more time to get through those courses. And so I actually went through that one-year LPN program. So at the age of 19, I became a licensed practical nurse. And I love to tell my students, I only set for that exam once and I passed it on the first attempt. And so once you become um, an LPN, if that's your track, you can actually do what we call transition to the RN program. So it's called a bridge. So a lot of students who are not academically astute, I try to persuade them to consider the LPN, the RN track. Some don't want to hear it because they just believe I was called to be an RN, I want to be an RN. 
not thinking about the academic challenges that they may have along the way. What does that do? That actually, get, the LPN actually give you an opportunity to take a picture of everything that registered nurse does. And that in itself can prepare you to start focusing on your studies to become a registered nurse. So then we have the registered nurse that can get a two-year degree. And then they sit for the NCLEX exam. And then you have registered nurses that are going from high school or going from wherever to a university. That is our traditional bachelor's degree nursing program. So you can, so just say for instance, I have a daughter, she graduated from high school in the morning. She can decide to go to a two-year community college or state college to get a two-year degree in nursing. Or she could decide to go to a four-year university, a HBCU, FAMU. She could go to um, Bethune-Cookman College. She can get a four-year degree. Now, here's the, here's the tickler. The four-year degree nurse, when they graduate, and the two-year degree nurse, when they graduate, they take the same NCLEX exam to wow. become a registered nurse. So now they become registered nurses. Once you take your NCLEX and you become a registered nurse, whether it's in the state of Florida, the state of Georgia, New York, Washington, wherever, in these United States of America. Once you take that exam, then uh, so the two-year degree nurse, if they decide to go back to get their four-year degree, they can do what we call RN to BSN. That's what I teach now. I teach nurses who are already licensed who are working on their higher degree in education. So now they can actually uh, transition from the two-year degree to the four-year degree. The, the beautiful thing about my profession is you only sit for the NCLEX one. So once you become an RN, whether you became an RN through a two-year degree path, or if you became an RN through a traditional four-year degree path, once you become licensed and you decide to get your master's degree or your bachelor's degree, you never have to sit for the NCLEX exam again. And so, so when we talk about the fact that I went from LPN, the two-year degree RN, from two-year degree RN, I went to my BSN. Now, when I went to my BSN, my MSN, and my PhD, I never had to take the NCLEX again. So once you become a registered nurse, whether you get there through a two-year track or four-year track, once you become licensed as a registered nurse, you never have to sit for that exam again. And so you can continue your education and move up the ladder to the, those leadership roles whether you want to be a nurse manager, do you want to be a chief nursing officer? And even though I'm retiring from the college in four years, I do have my eyes on sites that may take me out of the state of Florida. Just to say that I had the opportunity to play in the sandbox somewhere else. Wow. So it's, so it's, it's a you. lifelong profession. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Believe it or not, I started out in the healthcare field, but that's a whole nother topic. But <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I know you've gotten your ears filled today. I would love to stay here, but you know, they make me hold myself to a certain time frame. though they're going to kick me off and I don't want you to come one day and I'm not here, but <laughs> I enjoyed it. I just can't say thank you enough because I know you just fed some individual or individuals underneath the sound of our voice with what they needed to make the transformation. And I say transformation because we're at this place now, we've got a new norm. But our new norm says we've got to get back to a sense of normalcy. So keep your eyes set. I mean, if, if nursing is something you're interested in, you've got Dr. Brabham's information. 
but I've got to get ready to do what I do best. And that's stop talking. I know you can't believe it, but I've got to bring this rich conversation to a close. So for all of you that have been hanging out with us this evening, I just want to say thank you so much. Please remember to continue to join us every Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for more informative episodes of All That Matters Talk Show. Dr. Bramham, you know I appreciate you, right? You do know that. Yes, I enjoyed myself thoroughly. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, you didn't miss a whole lot. All you didn't hear this evening, you can always go back and pick it up again. But as we say, for every one of you that come out, don't forget to check out our website, igmaeinc.org. Once again, that's igmainc.org so that you can continue to stay connected with all of our additional offerings. Don't forget to listen in to all of the other radio personalities, especially our DJ Jazzy for an eclectic listening experience every weekend. So until next Saturday at 5 p.m., stay healthy and safe. And remember, what we value at IGMA Inc. is all that matters to you. Good night.